Well, good morning again, San Marino Community Church. I'm Lindsay Anderson Beck. I'm the Interim Director of Youth Ministries here at SMCC. And I'm so glad to be in worship with you this morning. We're continuing in our summer sermon series on the book of Romans. That's Paul's letter to the church at Rome. And Paul has been giving the believers in Rome a blueprint, a theological framework for how they are to live their lives. And we've been looking at how that framework applies to our life in Jesus right now in this day and age. So today we come to Romans chapter 10 verses 11 to 17. And I'd invite you to turn in your Bibles or to follow along on the screen as I read. The scripture says, no one who believes in him will be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all and is generous to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how are they to call on one in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in one of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone to proclaim him? And how are they to proclaim him unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all have obeyed the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from what is heard and what is heard comes through the word of Christ. Would you pray with me? God, this morning, as Willow prayed, we come to you hoping for a word, a word of encouragement, of hope, of comfort, maybe of challenge. I pray that you would open our ears and our minds and our hearts to truly listen to the voice of your spirit through your holy word this morning. We pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Now faith comes through what is heard and what is heard comes from the word of Christ. I've been thinking a lot about hearing this week in preparation for this sermon and especially about what prevents us from hearing, what gets in the way of our truly listening. And that brought to mind the comic strip of uh, Charlie Brown. Maybe you know what I'm about to say. Charlie and Linus go to school and in the background of their conversation, they hear their teacher's voice, but all they hear is wah, 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 wah. And I wonder if that's us sometimes. We hear a sound, we hear words, but they don't communicate. We don't connect to them. And then thinking about hearing but not really connecting made me think of that safety announcement at the start of any flight. You know the one that I mean, where the airline attendants stand up at the front and say, now if we could all have your attention for just a few minutes while we go over the safety features on board this Boeing whatever, and everyone immediately tunes them out and goes down into their phones and sends a few last texts and scrolls through their Facebook feed Or maybe a more current example, since most of us are not flying anywhere right now. Maybe you've been in a Zoom meeting recently that went longer than 20 or 30 minutes. Maybe you saw in people's reflection in their glasses, screens opening up, tabs opening up, Facebook scrolling, 
Maybe you were that person who was getting distracted and antsy and kind of bored. And then you realize all of a sudden that your coworker or professor or teacher or boss was calling on you for an opinion and you have to fake like you know exactly what's going on at that moment. Or maybe that's just me. But I do think we are sometimes listening, but not really listening, right? Sometimes words just wash over us. Studies show that the average person only listens with about 25% efficacy and that only about 10% of us actually listen effectively. We're so distracted by the cacophony of dings and tweets and by our never-ending to-do list that we really struggle to listen to people when they're talking to us. And if we're not distracted by technology, we're often distracted by the own noise inside of our heads. We think we're listening, but actually we're really just preparing the story that we want to jump in and tell as soon as that person goes quiet. Or we're considering what advice we could offer or what judgment we could make. In short, we're not really listening to understand, we're listening to reply. I wonder if you resonate with that at all. We can probably all connect over that feeling of being at a party or social gathering, maybe if you can cast your minds back to pre-pandemic, and being in conversation with someone who's constantly glancing over your shoulder to the next person in the room who's maybe a bit more interesting or higher on the social ladder who they want to engage with in conversation. Or maybe their phone dings in the middle of a conversation with you and they immediately pull it out and check what's going on. It makes us feel bad. It makes us feel disconnected. It breaks trust and it breaks relationship. And in this distracted, self-focused, information-saturated and technology-driven time that we're living in, the same thing happens between us and God. We're often moving too fast to hear that still, small voice that the scriptures talk about. We're trained in distraction. Our attention has been bought out and our listening skills are emaciated. And yet, our scripture today talks about the necessity, the necessity of hearing God's word for belief and for salvation. Now, it could be easy for us to hold this passage at arm's length, thinking that Paul is referring to non-believers, to people who have never heard about Jesus. They're the ones who need to hear, right? And indeed, Paul is concerned with the need for believers to share the good things of God, what God has done in our lives with those who have never met Jesus. That's what he's saying in these rhetorical questions in the second part of our scripture. How are people to call on one in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in one in whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone to proclaim him? Essentially, it's your job, it's my job, it's our job to share what Jesus has done. Evangelism is one way and an important way to see ourselves implicated in this passage this morning. But friends, what if we were also the ones who needed not only to share, but to actually hear? 
Sometimes I think we far too easily hold scriptures at that safe distance. How many sermons have you sat through thinking, oh, my husband really needs to hear this message, or I wish my kids would pay attention? I think Paul's words today have a challenge for us that we need to hear. Now, the context around this chunk of scripture that we're looking at is Paul's affirmation that God's welcome, God's salvation is open to absolutely everyone who cries out to Jesus for help. And it's also about his frustration and bewilderment that the Jewish people, God's chosen people, have heard the good news, but they've not truly listened How does Paul know that the Jewish people haven't truly listened? Well, faith comes from hearing, our passage says. The Greek verb to hear is the same root for the one to listen and to obey. That means that this word to hear is not just a passive absorption of sound, like Charlie Brown hearing the teachers want, want, want. But it's an active listening that leads to obedience to a changed life. As the Bible Dictionary by Urban states, true hearing or obedience involves the physical hearing that inspires the hearer and a belief or trust that in turn motivates the hearer to act in accordance with the speaker's desires. In short, true hearing leads to trust, to faith, to obedience. We see this definition throughout the scriptures when the prophets of the Old Testament implore the Israelites to hear the word of God. That plea is not just for the sound to go in one ear and come out the other one, but it's a plea that they would truly listen, that they would turn, that they would change their hearts and their lives, that they would act differently as a result of the hearing. So too in the New Testament, when Jesus is right at the start of his ministry and he's baptized, as he's coming out of the water, a voice from the heavens, the voice of God comes down and says, this is my son, listen to him. And sometimes when Jesus finishes his teaching in the gospels, he ends what he's saying with, let anyone with ears to hear, listen. The command to listen is not just an invitation for a passive connection with God or because God loves the captive audience, but rather an invitation to take these words seriously, to actually act on them. This is how Paul knows that the Jewish people haven't truly heard the good news of the freedom and salvation and redemption offered to them in Jesus because they're continuing to live by the law, the old way, seeking wholeness and righteousness through their own willpower, instead of surrendering, calling out to God for help, embracing God, setting things right for them in Jesus Christ. The message puts God's perspective this way, quoting from Isaiah, day after day, I beckoned Israel with open arms and got nothing for my trouble but cold shoulders and icy stares. The Jewish people are continuing to trust their own judgment over God, to seek their own kingdoms over God's, 
The words of freedom that they've heard have gone in one ear and out the other one. And sometimes I think that's us. I know in the sinfulness and self-serving motives of my own heart, I'm often more focused on building my own kingdom and pursuing my own goals rather than pursuing God's. What does that look like? I know that I don't often consider in humility others as better than myself, as Philippians 2 tells us. I know that I struggle to defend the cause of the oppressed as Psalm 82 commands us to do. So too, when things in my life start to get uncertain or feeling unsafe, I'm often quicker to lean into my own controlling tendencies to muscle through it or to lash out at my husband or just to let my anxiety have free reign over my life than to trust in God's provision. I often default to one of countless tools for distraction rather than facing my own fears, questions, longings, and losses. Not only that, but I'm guilty of getting caught up in this relentless current of information and distraction and entertainment and advertisements that compete for my focus in this attention economy that we're living in. If faith comes from hearing, where is there space in all of this for me to hear that still small voice of God? Pastor and author John Ortberg writes, for many of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith. It is that we will become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we will settle for the mediocre version of it. We will just skim our lives instead of actually living them. Corrie ten Boom said a similar thing. If the devil can't make us bad, at least he can keep us busy. I wonder if this resonates with you. I wonder if you, like me, get so caught up in the momentum of your day-to-day -day life that you find yourself unable to truly hear from God. If faith comes from hearing, then we must make space to listen, particularly now. I believe that this time of COVID-19, this interruption, this pause is actually an opportunity for our faith to grow. And I don't want us to miss it. We suddenly have less places to be, less lunches to pack, less evening activities, less time spent commuting around LA or planning out who has the car when or who's picking up or dropping off which kids when. We suddenly have more time. And not only is COVID an opportunity to slow down with this time, but now more than ever, we need our faith. I think of this past week with the wildfires raging across our state. For the countless people who have had to be evacuated, who are now staying with family and friends and strangers, upping their chances of getting covid and speaking of COVID, studies have shown that the rates of fear and loneliness and depression are skyrocketing right now in our communities. Not only that, but this week in our own community, right in Pasadena, Anthony McLean, another black man, was shot in the back by the police, sparking renewed protests and indignation and outrage. 
And I haven't even mentioned the national election that's happening in a few short months. This polarizing thing that's coming up on us. Now more than ever, we need to hear God's living and active word to us of hope, of renewal, of justice, of transformation. I want you to imagine with me just for a moment what it would look like if we, SMCC, were to truly hear God in a way that moved us to action and transformation during this time. I imagine that we would become people of joy, of peace, of love. I imagine we would be known by our fierce commitment to justice for the marginalized and the oppressed. I imagine we would be known by our welcome and our hospitality, our open arms to outsiders. I imagine we would be known by our humility, our willingness to admit when we're wrong. I think in this time of COVID, we would be known by our care, especially for the most isolated and the most vulnerable. And maybe, just maybe, we would become people who have learned how to listen so that when this election comes up on us, we can listen to ourselves, to God, and to others, people who we might not agree with. I don't know about you, but that's the type of person that I want to be. I want to be someone who's learned to listen to God and to really, really hear God. So the question becomes, how, how practically are we supposed to do this? How can we hear through all of this chaos and noise around us and within us? How can we seize the opportunity of this interruption in our lives to create rhythms of listening to God? Well, back in January, pre-pandemic, again, if you can cast your minds back to it, I read this book by pastor and author John Mark Comer entitled The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And in it, John Mark Comer argues that the greatest danger to our spiritual life is hurry. He challenges his readers to slow down to pay attention to the present rather than hurtling mindlessly into the future. And why? Because the present is where God meets us. The present is where we meet other people. The present is where we are. John Mark Comer recommends four concrete practices for unhurrying your life, as he calls it. I would say these are four concrete practices that enable us to hear God. Number one, he says, is silence and solitude. And by that, he means regular times of quiet, of being alone in God's presence. Number two, he says, is Sabbath. This is the most underrated of the Ten Commandments, a full day of rest, of ceasing productivity and striving, which, by the way, is a significant act of resistance against our capitalist society, which wants to tell us that we are only worth what we can produce. Sabbath. Number three, simplicity. Freeing ourselves from the addiction to acquisition and materialism, living with less. And number four, the last thing he says is slowing. And by that, he means not multitasking, 
not rushing around to try and find the quickest, most efficient way to do any task that we can. Maybe it means not changing lanes on the highway to the quicker one and then changing back and then changing back, but intentionally slowing down and being present. Silence and solitude, Sabbath, simplicity, and slowing. These are the practices, Coma says, that create space, margin in your life to be able to listen to and for God and where that encounter can actually change us. Because the truth is God is alive. The word of God is living and active. God is always inviting us to join with the spirit in the holy work of transformation and redemption and renewal of this creation. God is always speaking, and it's our job to pay attention. In 2013, I was fresh out of college. I was struggling with my own sense of identity and purpose and vocation. I was feeling anxious and agitated. And I remember literally thinking, maybe I'm the only person God has ever created with absolutely no purpose for their life. And I kind of knew that was crazy, but it seemed like all the people around me knew what they were about. They knew what they were there for. And I was just floundering. I remember sharing this with my mentor and he listened calmly and patiently. And then instead of telling me which career path I should choose, he said, Lindsay, I think you need to just take a break, chill out and learn with your heart that God loves you for who you are. That was not the answer that I was hoping for, um, but I really trusted him. So I moved out from the East Coast to California to live in my family home. I got a part-time job and I committed myself to learning with my heart that God loved me. The first step of which was ceasing striving. Stop asking the questions of what is my purpose? What am I here for? Basically to slow down. And over the course of that year, I learned to listen to myself, to question why I thought my worth was so wrapped up in my job. I committed myself to a practice of listening to God quietly every morning for at least 15 minutes. And as I did that over and over and over again, it was a practice after all. The noise and the chaos in my mind and in my heart began to settle down And I began to hear that still small voice of God telling me, I am the beloved. Friends, faith came from hearing. Faith comes from hearing. So I challenge you in these coming weeks, while our lives have been forced to simplify, to practice slowing down and listening. What would that look like for you, I wonder? Maybe it is a practice every morning of being in quiet before God. Maybe it's joining a small group and listening to your life in the presence of other people, listening for God in community. Maybe it's meditating on one psalm every day before you go to bed. Maybe it's starting a practice of Sabbath with your family, a day to chill out, to not do any chores, to cease your striving, to remember that God is the initiator of all things, not you. Whatever way it looks, I challenge you to create margins in your life 
where you can meet and listen to the God who is always listening for you. Friends, since faith comes from hearing, may God grant us ears to hear. Amen.